Hi, welcome back to the Baby Sleep Magic Podcast. My name is Chantel Murphy and in today's episode we're going to be talking a little bit about early rising. Early rising is one of the biggest problems that I have with whether it's my clients or whether it's just questions that I get asked on social media or through DMs and emails. So I'm just going to give you some tips and pointers on my you know, key points on how to avoid early rising, whether you've got a baby that is six months old or whether you've got a toddler that is four years of age. So look, my number one tip is food. As I go on, anyone who knows me, everyone who's ever worked with me will know how much I go on and rant about food, but that is by far the number one contributor to waking in general. So what we need to do is ensure that your little one is full and content and can either last a full 10 to 12 hours through the night or if they're not capable of doing that we need to ensure that they're not waking due to hunger um, through the night either. So you know ideally what we want to try and do is ensure little ones who aren't either completely on solids or are still waking through the night requiring a feed that those feeds are ideally four hours apart. So look in a perfect world bedtime might look a little bit like go to bed between 6 and 7 p.m. They might feed around, you know, have a feed, whether it's boob or breast, anywhere between 10 and 11. And then ideally their second feed of the night, if they need one, is anywhere between 2 and 3. The closer that they get to their wake-up time, which ideally is between 6 and 7, the least amount of milk you want to be offering because you know it's a catch-22 if they start to have too much milk too close to wake up they will wake up for the day and they will not be that interested in food which then creates another problem but getting back to the early rising um, we want to ensure that if they do wake randomly at 3 30 or 4 30 or 5 we can rule out hunger as a cause for that particular waking So yeah, making sure that they're well fed and satisfied is absolute key. Now, if you have a toddler, for instance, that is, you know, anywhere from, you know, 18 months of age to preschooler, four years of age, um, they might be having dinner between 5 and 5.30 and between 5 and 5.30 and bedtime and sometimes could be 7 or 7.30, that's a, a good couple of hours and that's a good opportunity they're already burning off a lot of calories in those two hours. So they go to bed, yes, they go to bed full from dinner, but it might not necessarily last a full 10 to 12 hours. So what I'd usually suggest with families and parents who are having issues with early rising with children at this age um, is to offer them a top-up before they go to bed. And that top-up might be not necessarily their dinner that they had a few hours earlier, but it might be just a banana. It could be a bit of porridge. It could be a little bit of wheat bix. It could be a croissant. It could be a toasted sandwich. Anything that you are comfortable with giving your child um, about, you know, half an hour before bedtime. And it just gives you and them that last opportunity to top them up ready for bed. So in hope that they can um, stretch that little bit longer in the morning and then not waking up needing milk or or hungry when they wake up quite early in the morning. Um, Another main contributor to early rising, especially in winter, is cold. And we're experiencing winter right now in Australia and it is cold, especially between the hours of 2 and 4.35 a.m. It's the coldest part of the morning. And if your baby's going to wake or child's going to wake at any time, it's going to be at that time if it's cold. Um, 
Usually I suggest dressing your little one for the coldest part of the night and that is usually, like I said, between two and four or even five. You know, as adults, that's where we would then naturally look for our doona or our sheet or we would cuddle over and, and try and get warm. And babies and children are the same. Unfortunately, they don't usually have blankets and pillows and even another sibling or someone they can snuggle into. So they need to have their appropriate layers on for them to be able to comfortably roll over and go to sleep and sleep for an extra couple of hours. And what you might find, they don't wake up and really escalate crying. They don't wake up and show those signs that they're freezing. You might even touch their neck and touch their back and they're warm, but they're not warm enough to roll over and go back to sleep for a couple of hours. So um, warmth is key. So look, as an example, just quickly, my boys would wear, they're in a bed and they have a doona, but they still have two layers of pajamas on. So usually they have a singlet, they have flannelette pajamas, sometimes they have socks, depending on how cold it is. In the other cases, depending on the night, I will also put like a onesie over the top of that as well. So, and look, our rule of thumb for us is if the temperature is under 10 degrees outside, we then will have the oil heater in their bedrooms come on as well, usually around midnight or even 2 a.m. And that, try to, that we, we try to keep the room temperature anywhere between 20 to 24. That's kind of what we aim for. 24 is a bit ambitious in winter. In some cases, we wake up and it's 19 to 20. But at the end of the day, they're still warm when they're in bed. So that's just an example of what we do for our boys. And they're six and seven. So although they're not babies or toddlers, they still, especially my younger one, he will wake up um, and be cold. And he he's still not very good at using those blankets. So... Yeah, layers and making sure they're wearing the right amount of clothing is absolute key to getting them to sleep longer. My other two main points is ensuring the room is really dark because, you know, babies and toddlers are not very good at switching off. As soon as they see a glimmer of light, whether they've been in bed for 10 hours, 12 hours or 5 hours, they're up for the day. They don't really care. They don't know what the time is. They don't comprehend what the time is. All they see is light and they just suspect that they're done and they're ready to start their day. So having that room as dark as possible will definitely help and work to your advantage. And having the door closed as well. Like I said in some of my other podcasts and social media stuff that I've posted, babies are not afraid of the dark. Until they get to the age of two, two and a half, they haven't yet developed the sense of fear. So the darker you can get that room, the better. And for toddlers over the age of two, two and a half, if having a super dark room is a bit of a challenge with, you know, afraid and scared of the dark, you could um, use a grow clock. They're really very, very good for children at this age because they it's very visual. It's a sun for when it's appropriate to wake up and it's basically moon and stars for when it's meant to go to bed. So they are really good for toddlers because um, you might need to do a little bit of role play with them through the day. But once you've done that over a couple of days, they then start to identify when it is okay and appropriate to wake up to start the day. So um, dark room is definitely key or like I said, a grow clock if you can't have the room super dark for toddlers. Um, my other tip is white noise. White noise is also significant because it drowns out external noises. So particularly in summer, when you have the birds going crazy at 4.30 in the morning, possibly traffic, any construction you might hear, household noise with mum and dad getting up ready for work, other siblings, whatever it might be, white noise drowns all that out. And the success of your little one sleeping in till 
5.30, 6.30, in some cases, if you're really lucky, 7 a.m. is gonna be so much higher if they can't hear anything and they don't have that fear of missing out that someone's up and they're not, they're, you know, they're not involved. So um, in terms of how loud to have the white noise, I usually suggest the similar sound of a shower. So if you're in the shower, you think you hear the door go, mm, you're not quite sure, that type of loudness. Um, in type of what white noise I recommend, Something natural, something consistent. So usually I recommend rain because it's very consistent. Beach and whales and things like that are all nice, but they usually have pauses and peaks and troughs. And that's where you can then have wake ups in between those times. So something that's quite loud and quite consistent is definitely gonna work um, more to your advantage. So look, that's really my main pointers for early rising. Um, you know, following an appropriate wake window, making sure your little one has the right amount of naps through the day, making sure your little one goes to bed at the right appropriate time at bedtime and all those things all certainly play a part. But like I said, those few main things just before, so food, environment, white noise and layers and temperature are the main contributors to um, early rising. So look, I hope those few tips help moving forward. Um, and look, thanks for everyone who's taken the time to to leave us a review. I really appreciate it. It's, um, it helps boost our numbers, it helps boost our exposure, and it also helps get this information out to more mums and families out there who, who need it. So thanks again for everyone who has done that and taken the time and feel free to share this with another mum or a friend if you feel that um, they're gonna get some use out of it. Thanks again, I'll see you in the next podcast.